This message comes from NPR sponsor Xfinity. Some things are slow, like snail races. Other things are fast, like Xfinity XFi. Get fast speeds, even when everyone is online. Working to make Wi-Fi simple, easy, awesome. More at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Hey, Mark. What can we help you with? Well, uh, about two weeks ago, a uh, scrub jay moved into our neighbor's tree. Um, it's an extremely loud and unpleasant bird. Okay. And it uh, basically sits about 20 feet from our bedroom window and starting about 5 o'clock in the morning. For about an hour, he just screams nonstop. Wow. What does it sound like? It's shrill. It sounds sort of like a bird yelling. Mm-hmm. Could you try and do the sound so we can get a sense for it? <laughs> I could I could try and do the sound. Um, it basically like, oh. kind of like that. And it's just constant from 5 a.m. on. Well, he, he may, it might be a she. It stops just long enough for you to let your guard down and think that you might get back to sleep, oh. and then it starts back up again. Yeah. And you know so we're not really coping except for pillows over the head. Sure. Oh. Is it a particularly a pretty bird? Well, you know how some people seem attractive until you get to know their personalities and you can't really see them the same anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of pretty. It's, he's got a blue head and a blue oh. tail and then a gray belly. He's he's fine as far as birds go. They're really mean though. So. <laughs> Well, they other sit, birds yeah. too, not just me. Oh, really? So it's not only are you being awoken rudely, but other birds too are like, "Shut up!" <laughs> as far as I can tell. Well, we are. We're gonna try and solve this problem for you. Wonderful! I appreciate it. Well, I think we have somebody who can help Mark. His name is also Mark. Mark Devocatus works at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. So, Mark, what do you think? Um, so the first thing I think is this is a bird that might be looking for love. Oh. Um, and, and that's why it's being so vocal. You know, it's a little bit late in the season to initiate breeding, but scrub jays tend to defend territories all year long, but an unmated scrub jay will sort of be a an interloper and kind of have these sort of edge. They're called floaters. Maybe a younger male that, that you know, wasn't able to, to pair up, but hard to tell for sure. Right. Mark, what do you think about the idea that our caller, Mark, says that he thinks this, these birds are kind of jerks? Is that, <laughs> does that match up with your research? I don't know if I would call them jerks. They are definitely, you know, they do steal other birds' caches, hidden food items that other scrub jays and other species as well. I don't know, jerk, curious. Uh, there, there's a great literature from way back in the early part of the 20th century of a, a gentleman who was describing the interactions between scrub jays and his cat and how they would uh, actually pull at the cat's tail while it was eating in order to just startle the cat for one second, get the cat to sort of react, turn around, and then fly over and steal a piece of food while the cat was uh, <laughs> turning around to get them. Um, wow. So I don't know if I would call them jerks. I mean, when you get right down to it, most species of most animals are, are jerks in general. I have to say that the point you made about that it, it may be a male who didn't find someone during mating season. If we if we don't get the bird out of the tree, I think if nothing else we can now sympathize with the bird. I I feel for the bird. Oh, absolutely. I mean any any bird that's on its own at this point in the season, 
I mean, this is like this is this is prime family time. So he, you know, he's looking around. He's seeing other scrub jays with their bird wives and their eggs. And I mean, it is Father's Day this weekend too. I, that's got a sting. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a territorial sort of an announcement. Like here I am. This is where I am. Maybe more than actually trying to bring in a female. Right. Well, if it's territorial for our our caller Mark, is there a way he could convince the scrub jay that he is a larger scrub jay, <laughs> uh, and and say, you know, this is my territory. Get out of my tree. Uh, that certainly be something that he could try. Um, the whole use of playback in in the bird world is somewhat contentious, especially you know we we don't want to negatively affect a potential breeding native bird uh, usually um, would certainly be something that he could try and you do generally get a good response when you do that kind of a thing all right other mark what we want you to do is is point the podcast out the window and anyone else who has a bird problem you could probably do the same thing yeah just uh, pull the headphones out of the jack or um, put the headphones on the bird now bird pay attention this is just for you bird you're you're a good bird just because you haven't found someone doesn't that's not about you could be that the other birds are just busy that they're not around not around you right now it'll it'll happen for you uh, you just got to keep being yourself there are other fish in the sea other birds in the sky you you might want to eat the fish in the sea they're I, delicious and you know if this is about territory we have to be stern for a second um, this is Mark's house, and this this is what Mark sounds like. And Mark, Mark is angry because Mark is trying to sleep. You know what it's like when you're trying to sleep and somebody wakes you up. There's a lot of trees out there. Now's the part of our show where we talk about our sponsors. Support for How to Do Everything comes from Westland Distillery, makers of American single malt whiskey in Seattle, Washington. Like all other single malts from around the world, it's made from just four ingredients, barley, water, yeast, and oak. How incredible is that, that every distillery on the planet can make completely different whiskey when they all use the same ingredients and the same equipment? You can really taste the Seattle. Mm. To find out more about how they do it, visit westlanddistillery.com. Support for our show also comes from Ardio, a digital music service announcing Ardio Select, a new subscription plan for mobile users combining ad-free online stations and offline listening. With RDO Select, hear endless stations powered by over 35 million songs and download your choice of 25 songs to listen to offline, on mobile, and other devices. Try their Scrub J channel, which is just this, constantly 24 hours a day. Learn more about RDO Select at rdio.com slash select. They don't really have a Scrub J channel, but it's a good song. Hey, Hannah, what can we help you with? So I was at a Guster concert a couple months ago, and I got to meet the drummer after. And okay. he was very excited to tell me and my friend the story about how he started to 
see blood sporadically. And he just kind of, like, wrote it off instead of going to see a doctor, like a normal person. And a couple months later after that, he got to meet the drummer of Santana, who's also a hand drummer. And the first thing that the drummer of Santana said to him was, have you peed blood yet? And he was like, yes. (laughs) And so I don't know why. And he didn't know why that was the case. But supposedly it's the mark of a great hand drummer. Is a hand drummer like he plays the bongos? Yeah, like those big bongos. So do you know, do you know, was it a particularly special drumming session that, that caused him to pee blood? I think it was just from doing it for a really long time. Hmm. And like really intensely. Wow. So like kind of in the zone drumming. Yeah, because I, I can see if his hands were bleeding, but. Right. And it. It what you gathered is that it's actually a mark of pride to pee blood as a someone who drums with their hands. Yes, like if I was a hand drummer, I'd want to be peeing blood all the time. So you said it was it was Guster was the the band. Yeah. Is there music? Do you listen to it differently, knowing this intimate fact about the drummer? I totally do. I think about him peeing blood every time I hear any of their <laughs> songs now. Really? <laughs> yeah, I do. I can't help it. What, how does that ex- how does that change your experience then as a fan? It changes it from being in my past high school sixteen year old mindset to being legitimately concerned about his health. <laughs> well, so. we are going to investigate, uh, you know, why this happens, and I, I guess also why it's a mark of pride. Right. So thank you, because I think it's a mark of you should be scared for your health. Yeah. Well, Hannah, I think we do have somebody who can help you with this. It's our boss, Doug Berman. And we're not having him on just because he's our boss. Well, it's happened again. You've blown off another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Our esteemed producer is Doug the Subway Fugitive, Bongo Boy, Bandon Boy. We've probably all heard that before. Uh, I, for the longest time, thought it was just a nickname. Turns out Doug really does know the bongos. So, Doug, have you heard about this, about good hand drummers peeing blood? (laughs) <laughs> they do. I'm not a hand drummer, I guess. Um, well, yeah, um, I have heard of it. Um, I've heard of it with stick drummers, too. It depends um, It depends on the drum and where the drum is held, as you might imagine. Oh. Um, there's, a, there's a really large drum, a West African hand drum, called the Boba, and it's big. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's a good two feet in diameter by, you know, maybe three feet high. And so to play it, you kind of straddle it. It's, you know, it's leaned sort of at an angle, uh, you know, a 60-degree angle or something. So you kind of straddle it. And, and yeah, lots of drummers, if you, if you play it uh, vigorously, <laughs> you, you end up with a problem. I've never met anybody who's proud of that, however. <laughs> I, I, would, I would start crying immediately. So, <laughs> so you haven't experienced this. <laughs> firsthand i am not no i i would i would rather not play as well <laughs> and not pee blood than to play well and pee blood personally yeah would you say any of the things that you've learned becoming a better drummer apply to other parts of your life are you are you better at anything else as a result well not so much the physical part of it but the mental part of it yeah i mean i use rhythm in in, in radio production you know in terms of hands not really. I, mean, yeah. 
I don't have that much use for whacking people or, or anything. You know? Have you ever, Doug, after producing a radio show, have you ever peed blood? <laughs> yeah, and I'm proud of it. Doug, thanks so much. My pleasure. Wait, we answered Hannah's question, but we didn't really help her. Yeah, her life is no no better at this point. So um, we're going to call up someone who can can help her love Guster again without thinking of the horrors we've just described. Online with us now is Brian Rosenworcel, the drummer for Guster. Okay, first of all, Brian, Hannah says you told her about the hand drummers peeing blood. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, I had that conversation with Carl Perazzo, the uh, the head percussionist over at Santana. And has this ever happened to you? Well, at the time, I think it was 1998 or 1999, it was like my little secret. I hadn't told anyone because it was kind of like something I was freaking out about. Um, and that's how I reacted was by not telling anyone. Um, so when that guy who's like got the most like primo percussion gig in the world kind of said to me in the studio hey do you ever pee blood i was like yes and it was kind of like a moment where i felt like i was okay because if carl perrazzo knew about it then maybe maybe it just meant i was a great percussionist wait so you you have peed blood yeah um, well, I, I since have learned that I don't think it's actually blood. It's like a reddish-brown colored, maybe cola-colored, if you will, um, uh, myoglobin or something. Uh, but what what I understand is that like when you have like um, hard-hitting hand percussionists, the trauma uh, to the extremities just releases white blood cells into the kidneys quicker than it's supposed to, and it ends up with this rust-colored liquid in your urine, which uh, might freak someone out, like Hannah. Okay, so here's the problem for Hannah. Now, whenever she listens to your music, instead of kind of being in the moment with the song, instead, what she's thinking about is you peeing uh, what she thinks is blood. What, what do you want to say to her? Hannah, I know what I told you after that show might have ruined your Guster experience, but I want you to give us another try. I've started playing with sticks more and more. I haven't peed blood on a tour bus in like 10 years. And maybe maybe you can come on back, check out our new album. <laughs> it's just, it's just cola-colored liquid. It's, it's not actual blood. We got an email from Philip. Philip says he listens to How to Do Everything when he's out delivering wedding cakes on Saturday. Philip, these next 15 seconds are for you. The wedding cake is not all icing and loving tender whispers in the dark. Philip, would you be willing to um, deliver a wedding cake for um, a certain scrub jay when he finds his scrub jay wife? Get a little bird in a tuxedo, bird in a wedding dress, a little ceramic thing. Put it on top, maybe some some seed and fish icing. Just a pile of worms with some frosting. Is that the kind of thing you could do, Philip? That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? 
Well, I learned that playing the bongos can have um, other physical effects. Yeah. It, uh, I think bongos always sort of put you in a certain groove. A certain trance. And that's going to be changed for me from now on. Yeah. I'm really going to be thinking a lot more about... Um, urine. My urinary tract. Yeah. Well, you know, we, t- we tend to think about the life of a musician as being easy. Oh, yeah. You know? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. We don't, we don't think of them really making painful physical sacrifices for us. I mean, really, if you think about it, the rhythm is going to get you. How to Do Everything is produced by country music star Blake Shelton. Thanks, Blake. Technical direction from Robert Newhouse this week. Our intern this week is Jesse Batend. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And you can visit our website at howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>